Hi, I'm Aspen, and this is the podcast for Centerpoint Church. All summer, we are going through the book of Psalms to hear about the struggles of real people that we can all relate to. So join us for this series called Summer in the Psalms. Let's jump into the message. Jumping into summer in the Psalms, we've been doing this for a while now, uh, very creative title. This will be the series for our summer, and we're going to be in the book of Psalms. And so I'm going to let you in on a little secret if you have a Bible. Um, We are going to be in Psalms 13 for about 95% of our message today. And here's your secret. If you take your Bible and you close it, and you open it right in the middle, if you're good at it, you should be in the book of Psalms. So it's a very easy way. If you don't have your Bible with you, don't worry. There's no shame, but there is judgment. And I, uh, it's my spiritual gift. Uh, I, I challenge you to set an example for our young people and bring a Bible. Even if you don't open it, bring a Bible. I appreciate those of you that are note takers. Uh, you retain 55% more of information if you write it down, just so you know. Uh, but in the words of Homer Simpson, you can use numbers to prove anything. So, But I challenge you to, to be a note taker, to write these things down, to be students of the Word of God. And I'm grateful that you're here. Today's message is titled, God's on the Phone. Some of you have no idea what this is. Some of you think that this is how you contact Batman. Uh, and some of you, you you're, you're, gonna, you're in for an education today. I, I don't care what Pink Floyd says. You need an education and you're in for it. So I, I want to show you this real quick. And I'm going to talk for just a moment to the 35 and older crowd, okay? If you're under the age of 35, will you raise your hand for just a second? You're disgusting. All right. <laughs> this is a rotary phone. And my daughters have got such a kick out of this. They actually asked if we could keep this as our real phone in the house. And I'm like, we haven't had a landline at our house for a long time, you know. But I I want you to hear something. 35 plus, are you ready? It's going to be a trip down memory lane. If we can turn this, this mic up for just a split second and listen to this. Be quiet, please. Quiet, quiet. So cool. God's on the phone. That's what the message is today. And, and, and here's what we're talking about. I, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Lean in. We talk to a God who's pretty much invisible and doesn't really respond back very often. So if you're here, and you're confused because church people all the time say, God told me, and you don't know what that means or how to hear from God, you're normal. Because I've had people tell me, God told me this, and then it doesn't happen. And they don't come back and say, hey, I was wrong. I've had people tell me God told me to do some pretty peculiar things. I've had people tell me that God, I had one man tell me that God told him to leave his wife And I'm like, okay. I had one guy, not at this church, tell me that God told him to take a job as a bouncer at a gentleman's club. And I'm like, that must be Buddha that told you that, because. So what my goal is today is to make your prayer life more effective so that we know 
when God is speaking to us, and we know the algorithm to have a more effective prayer life. Because right now, if I asked you, how's your walk with the Lord? Almost every one of you would say, well, my prayer life could be better. And it's true, but today we're going to look in scripture as to what is the algorithm for an effective prayer life. So if your prayer life is subpar, you're in the right place. And if you don't know if you've ever heard from God, you're in the right place because we're going to learn it today. So this phone, oh, I'm going to speak to the under 35 crowd for just a moment, all right? You disgustingly young people, listen to me. If there's nothing else in your life to be thankful for today, be thankful that you didn't have to use one of these phones. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. When I was a kid, that's how you start stories off if you're old. When I was a kid, we had to call the home of a girl and play Russian roulette that her dad wasn't going to answer the phone to speak to her. You know how terrifying that is to call somebody's house phone and then have to make small talk with her father then say, can I speak to your daughter? Nowadays, you just text, you cowards. When I was a kid, I promise I'm going to preach the Bible at some point in time, but I have a microphone. When I was a kid, I actually had to ask a girl out or do what George Strait taught me and send her a note and says, check yes or no. But either way, it took courage. Nowadays, you send a snap, cowards. However, now that I have two daughters who are blonde-haired and blue-eyed, I wish that every dude had to get through me to speak to them. Maybe I will put this in the house. But what I want us to look at is a prayer of King David. And, and here's what we get to do. Back to the 35 and older crowd. Have any of you ever listened in on a sibling's conversation? You can't do that really with a cell phone. You didn't have to raise your hand, but I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> just, yeah. My sister, man, she'd be really good at just lifting this little plastic button at just the perfect time and listen in, and, and I wouldn't know about it. And here's what you and I get to do. We get to listen in on a, a conversation, not necessarily on the phone, but a conversation between David and God. And it's a privilege to be able to do that because he's a man after God's own heart one of the most godly men that has ever been alive, and he has one of the most authentic and real relationships with God that we've ever seen. And this is why it's important, is because I want to know that it's okay if sometimes I'm not okay. And I want to know that it's okay to have a prayer life where sometimes I'm asking God, what are you doing? You ever felt that way? If you say no, then either you don't pray or you're a liar. Because if you say yes, you're totally normal. And in Psalms 13, we're going to hear a prayer of David in which he's crying out to God. And then what I want to do is break it down, readdress it, and then see what it has to do with us. Because my goal is you leave with your prayer life being more effective today. And it's up to you. As promised, let's jump into Psalm 13, verse 1. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? You ever felt like that? 
How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? What an intimate prayer for the old covenant. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes. If you'll underline that phrase, I'm gonna come back to it a little bit later. Or will I sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. There's a lot in six verses. So if you've ever sat under my teaching for any period of time, you're going to know that I'm a history guy. I'm a context guy. I think the Lord can speak to, to us at a surface level of his word because his word never returns void. But I think if we do a little bit of effort and really unpack the con context and the connotations and what's going on historically of this, we're going to learn a lot deeper level. And so that's what I want to do for just a moment. So I want to tell you what's going on in David's life as he's having this very authentic conversation with God. See, he's King David, but he hasn't sat on the throne yet. He's been anointed king, but Saul is still on the throne. And Saul and David have a very strange, contentious relationship. You see, Saul, sometimes the first king of Israel, he loves David like a son. But then he also is obsessed with paranoia and jealousy. And so in the same breath and sometimes in the same day, he literally attempts to kill him. And David's like, what did I do? And he tries to do different things to fix it. And when he does, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Have you ever tried to fix something in your life and your intentions were misrepresented? Or someone took your words or your actions the wrong way and you try to fix things and instead it's just made it worse and you're like, I wish I would have never even tried. Or when you're trying to untie a knot, but really you're just making it more difficult to untie. That's where David is right now. And, and, and David, who keep in mind has already been promised to be king, is now being attacked by the whole Israelite army. The Philistines already hate him. Now his own army of his own people are trying to kill him. And he's spending an accumulation of years of his life hiding in a cave. It would be very easy to think that God has forgotten him. Or that either God doesn't care, isn't listening, or isn't real. Man, you ever been there? When you're crying out to God to pray and praying for something. Lord, Lord, it just feels like it goes straight to voicemail. Or better yet, straight to the answering machine. You ever feel that way? I do. I, 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 I want to look at the breakdown of these six verses. It's six verses, it's three couplets, and there is an algorithm here of his prayer. And my goal is to take this and, 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 and us learn how to pray following this algorithm for a, an effective prayer life. If we can put this up on the screen, please. There's, there's three areas. So if you look at verse one and two, he's bringing the problem. Here's what's wrong. How long do I have to? Why are you the problem? The second one is the petition. Help. I need your help, God. Intervene, please. And then the last part is the praise. 
but I trust you. Let me show you where we go wrong sometimes. And wrong is probably the wrong answer, but the wrong word. But this is the, the, the trap that we fall into sometimes, is when we talk to God, we only do one of the three instead of all three. So let me show you. We're great at talking to God with our problems. Lord, I need this. God, this isn't good enough. God, why is this happening? God, I do. And really, honestly, the prayer life, if you do that, is really just you're calling customer service to complain about a product. You are. And I do this too. And it's okay. But there's a better way. And the second one is the petition. Help. God, I got myself in a mess. I need you to help. I need you to intervene. I need you to, to, to get me out of this. And, and that's okay. But really all you're doing is calling 911. Or you went swimming and you got in the deep water and now you need the lifeguard to come get you. And, 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 and that's the, the, as deep of a relationship as God as you'll ever go if that's all you pray. Help, 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 help. And it's okay. But there's a better way. And then the last one is the praise. And and I know that some of you right now are thinking, wait, what's wrong with the praise? There's nothing wrong with the praise. But if you only call God and tell him all of the good things and you don't give him all of the other stuff, then one of two things is happening. Either you have a very fake relationship with the Lord or you don't actually think he cares about you because he only wants to see the good side of you, right? The shiny side. The side wrapped in cellophane where everything's perfect all the time. Lord, thank you. I'm blessed. There's a better way. So if that's all you do with God is just tell him the good stuff, then this is actually just really a first date. Think about those of you who are married, how you acted on the first date. My pastor says that dating brings out the best and marriage brings out the rest. <laughs> Don't laugh, guys, please then really it's just I'm going to present my best self to God and I'm only going to give him this and I'm only going to bring him praise and I'm only going to, you know, and, and, and it's, it's okay. God can, cares about the details of your life. So what if our prayer was more like this? God, this is what's going on and I don't get it and I don't understand. God, here's what I'm asking you to do to please intervene, but I trust you. And even if you don't answer in the timeline, I think you should answer. I will never stop praising your name. What if that was what our prayer life was like? The problem, the petition, and the praise. But there's one last part. How do we hear from him? Can I be honest with you for a second? That's rhetorical. I had never felt the voice of God before in my whole life until, and this is just me, I had read the entire Bible from cover to cover in one year. And at that moment was the first time that I actually heard God. You want to know why? Because I had spent a lot of time with him and I knew what his voice sounded like. 
So when someone says, God told me to do something, my follow-up question almost always is, how much time are you spending in the Word? Because if you say zero, then I have a, a highly doubt that God's speaking to you. Can he? Yes. But there's three primary ways he speaks to people, and it goes in descending order. The first one that makes up most of it is through his word. The second one is through wise counsel. Do you hear that word, wise? That's the key part. And then through situations. He can speak to you through those. But if you want to hear from God, you've got to carve out time for him to speak. If there's one thing that you take away from our time today, this is it. About a year ago, I added something to the rhythm of my life that changed my prayer life. And it was carving out time for what I call silence and solitude. Unfortunately for me, it usually happens early in the morning. I'm not a morning guy. But the sacrifice usually follows is before the blessing. The blessing follows the sacrifice. And and, and, and I'll get up and just sit there in silence. No agenda, no distractions, just sit there. Sometimes he speaks to me. Sometimes he doesn't. But I'm available. So I ask you this. If you're wanting to hear from God, when would he speak to you? And are you carving out time to just be present and see what he has? If the answer is no, then when do you expect him to speak to you? And are you listening? Because it would be terrible if God's trying to talk to me and I don't even have the phone to my ear. Look at this. Why is God not talking to me? I can't hear anything he says. Why is he? One time I watched Larry King. I guess 35 and older crowd. <laughs> and he had Billy Graham on his show. And he said, Dr. Graham, I like, how do you pray all the time? Like, who has time to pray to God for that many hours? And Billy Graham's response was amazing. He said, I'm always praying. Even right now, as I'm sitting here on your show, I'm listening for God's direction if he tells me to do something. This is what it looks like. So, now that we have gone through how, what the six verses look like and the three couplets. And now that we understand what David is going through, he's in a cave, he's lost. He believes that God has abandoned him. He's not responding. Now let's go back through this, these six verses. Now that you have that mindset, and I want to read it again. And maybe you can see the algorithm of an effective prayer life. 13.1, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts day after day and have sorrow in my heart? That's real. That's an authentic conversation. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Now let's switch over to the petition. Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes. Now, I told you about that phrase earlier. Give light to my eyes. It doesn't translate super well, but the Hebrew, in Hebrew, there was this understanding that it actually would mean enlighten or grow in wisdom or become aware of what's happening. So oftentimes when you're in a situation, you only think of what you are dealing with at that moment and how it affects you. And oftentimes there's a bigger picture. 
And so that's what David's asking for. Enlighten me, make me aware, give me wisdom. Let me see what you're doing here because I hate to tell you this, but your situation may not be only about you. He may be doing something bigger and he needs your patience in the process. Give me wisdom, enlighten me on what you're doing here. This is a difference between patience and waiting. Oh, you're going to wait. But are you going to be patient? Where was I at? I got sidetracked. Oh, yes. Verse 3. I'm going to re repeat that. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. Then we're switching to the praise. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. God, if you don't do anything else for me for the rest of my life, but you have saved me from hell and sent your son for me, then that's enough. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. If you are here, God has brought you through something for a purpose. And rather than focusing on why did that happen to me, focus on how can I use this to help other people to bring you glory. You know what I've noticed is, I've been thinking about my kids a lot because they just loved this phone. And, and, and even Tyler, who's disgustingly young, like 23, I showed him this the other day and I asked him if he had ever seen one of those before and he's like, no. <laughs> but you're going to go pick one up now, aren't you? I know you are. My, uh, my kids, they trust me with a lot more than I trust God with. Like my kids, they don't ever come home and they're not worried all day like, is there going to be food in the refrigerator? In fact, I think my kids are the opposite. They think that my refrigerator like reproduces itself and like just every time they open it, there's just food there for free and it just shows up, right? And they have no concept of if something's in the fridge, this isn't even the notes, if something's in the fridge and I'm saving it for something I have planned two days from now, if it's in the fridge, like it's fair game. And they have no concept of money. They just, look what's in the fridge. I'm hungry. They never wonder is, has my dad and mom provided food for us? And, and, and I know some kids have to wrestle with that, but there's a lot of things the kids just, my, my dad's going to take care of me. And they're, they're not right now wondering if they come home, if there'll be electricity at the house. They don't even think about it. My kids trust their father a lot more than I seem to trust mine. You either believe that God will take care of your needs or you don't. And you're going to frustrate yourself to death if you're constantly wondering if God hears your prayers or cares about you. Either decide that he does and test it or no. So my goal is to say, God, like everything that you've given me, it's with open arms and open hands, and it's yours, and I trust you. It's hard to actually do that, though, when you're in the middle of the storm. It's hard. As we said earlier, this 
this week, today, this Sunday, is the three-year anniversary of my family and I like being at this church. Like I preached my first message here three years ago. I think you were there. And my, my family's gone this week. Uh, they're in Montana. So, you know, I had the opportunity to go camping and live like a homeless person in the woods with my in-laws for a week. And as great as that sounds, I, I have to come to work. Cut that from the podcast, please. But I've had some free time this week that I normally don't because my parasite children aren't home to just suck the life from me, right? <laughs> I'm kidding, mostly. But, but this week, I've had just some time to kind of walk around and think, and I really have spent some extra time with the Lord to just appreciate all that he's done in my life, my family's life, and in this church over the last three years, which really is only, I think, 156 Sundays. So it's really not much when you think of it like that. And, and I was just thinking about the journey. I am told by my wife that I'm an Enneagram 3. I don't know if that means something to you or not. Uh, I feel like I should be a higher number than that, but that's just my, my narcissism. But basically what that means, or so I'm told, but this is true, is that I, I am such a goal-oriented person that I'm so obsessive with what's next, what's next, what's next, and it's an algorithm to get old fast, then I don't appreciate the journey often because I'm always worried about what's next. And so this week, I was very intentional to just sit back and look at what God's done in my life and what he's used my family for. And I specifically saved these six verses. I've wanted to preach this for a while, but I waited because I wanted it to be on the anniversary Sunday for me. Because these six verses got me through some of the hardest seasons of my life. And I want it for you. See, when I remember when we first came here and I had all these audacious dreams that all of these things were going to happen and we were going to take over the town and, and then instead nothing happened. And if you know a little bit about the story, half the people left after my first Sunday because, I don't know, it was the first time I really had felt rejection in my life and it hurts, it hurts. And Sundays went by and attendance just did this and we're in the middle of COVID, and, and I felt very, very lonely. And the loneliness really set in in the middle of the night. And maybe that's when it happens with you. And doubt creeps in, and fear. And, and, and I remember some Sundays, man, I remember while my wife was still asleep because I didn't want her to see this because I got to pretend as if I'm strong. I remember going into our closet and I would literally get on my knees asking God if he could release me from this, man. I, I, I had to look at my grandma in the eye that we lived next door to and tell her that she wasn't going to see her great-grandkids very much anymore because we're moving. That's tough. And... I thought that I had talent alone to grow this church and I can preach, man, this is going to be, and, and, and God needed to bring me through a journey of self-reliance on him. And so it just did this. And everything I tried, it made it worse. I try to say something to somebody and it comes out wrong or it's misconstrued or it just gets things worse. You've been there? 
And I remember going in that closet Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. I promise you this is true. And just praying for God. I've given up having a mega church. I've given up people knowing who I am, God. I just am asking you for one family that I don't know. One person. Have them show up this Sunday. Please, just one. Because there was only about 20 of you, and I knew your, your name, your dad's name, your football team, what you had for dinner. And I love y'all. Just give me one. And I promise you, man, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, man, the problem and the petition, and it was followed by praise. God, I don't feel like doing this. I don't see any evidence that it's working. And we sacrificed a lot, but I trust you. And I had to get to a spot where even if God's entire plan for my life was to use me for one person, would it be enough? And the answer before that journey would have been, of course not. And the answer now is, whatever you need, I will trust you. Because I know that you brought me through some stuff. I was raised by a single mom. I faced heartache. I've had setback. I've seen and prayed for people that I cared about to be healed and they died anyway. I've been through some things just like you have. And I know that instead of saying, God, why did you let this happen to me? My prayer life during that season shifted to, God, I can see that you brought me through it. Because less than this should have brought me down, but here I am. And there's a purpose. And some of you have been convinced by the devil that you don't have a purpose, so you give up. Some of you have been on the phone for too long with no answer yet, and you give up, and you might be on the doorstep of the miracle you've been asking for. But when God is going to speak to you, you hung up the phone. Weeks go by. Preaching to the same people. Half of them don't even like me cleaning the toilet the next morning. I'll suck the pride out of you real quick. Then one Sunday, the Castillo family shows up. And I'm pretty sure you sat like right here. And I was like, who are these people? And they're young. I'm tired of looking at people with gray hair. Now my hair is turning gray. And, and I see them. And I go over to Jeremy and I said, hey, are these, are these visitors? Like what, if they're a family member or are they real people? And then I'm talking to myself, play it cool, Jason. Play it cool. Don't overlove this situation. Because inside I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> they're here. But, but then in reality, I walk up and be like, hello, I'm Jason Ball. I love the Lord. I speak in Hebrew. How you doing? And then after I'm doing what you do and I'm walking away, and I'm like, why did I say that Hebrew? That's so stupid. What am I thinking? I'm going to come back. And then they came back. And here you are now, two and a half years later, still here, still faithful. Let me tell you what makes this church successful is not that the rest of you are here. It's that each one of you are here. What makes this successful is is seeing husbands for the first time trying to lead their family as the godly leaders of their home. And you may be a D minus at this point, but you're trying. 
What makes this place successful is single moms that thought their value only was only given to them by another man and they realized that they're made complete in Christ Jesus alone. What makes this place successful is you. And I want to go back to those times where I was so desperate for God that I would carve out time to be in the closet to give him my problems, my petition, and my praise and just sit there and listen. I want you to hear this. Two verses left and we're done. Psalm 34, 4. This is connected to it. Listen to this. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Now listen to that verse for a second. Keep it up, please. There's no timeline. It says, I sought the Lord, meaning I was looking for him. Not I called him and he answered right away. He said, I was pursuing him. I sought the Lord and he answered me. But what did his answer do? It doesn't say he delivered me from my situation. He delivered me from my job. He delivered me from my diagnosis. He delivered me from my marriage. No, 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 no. It says he delivered me from my fear. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. See, you are oftentimes, and I am oftentimes, praying too small of a prayer. We're praying that God will get us out when God's like, hey, if you trust me and lean in, I will grow you out so that when the next obstacle comes, you're stronger because you went through it. See, if I got you out right away, you would never have to have faith because I answered you right away and you would never grow stronger because you didn't go through the wilderness to get to the promised land. And so I look back now, and now when I encounter something, I have all the same fears and worries that you have, but I also know God's brought me through this, he's brought me through this, he's brought me through this, and he will not forsake me. So I trust in the process, and I carve out time for you to speak to me. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he tells me to do things that I don't want to do. But I will still sing your praises. But I will still trust you. Very last verse you know, Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. We know that he's God, but we're terrible at the be still part. We think it's only our children that can never sit still. Neither can you. So again, if there's only one thing that this week changes in your life, is carve out time for God to speak to you and watch what he does. Watch what he does. The problem, the petition, and the praise is the algorithm of an effective prayer life. God may not want you out of your situation. <laughs> Sorry. Lord, get me out of this job. None of my coworkers are believers. They treat me terrible. I'm ostracized for my faith, God. Get me out of this job. And he may say, no. 
Because you said none of them are believers. If I take you out of that spot, they have no hope. You're praying for something small when I'm doing something bigger. God, I'm married to a person who's a terrible spouse. Get me out of this situation. And God may be saying no. Because what glory comes out of a broken marriage? Instead, let me heal it. And then I can use you to minister to other marriages during difficult seasons. You may want to get out, but I want to grow you out. Will you lean into it? You're going to go through it either way. The question is, are you going to quit or come out stronger?